This is Michael Osterlink. Welcome to Radio, where we explore individual and social transformation through collaborative action. I'm a psychotherapist with a transpersonal and somatic specialization. I'm also a transpartisan social entrepreneur and head instructor at Silfitz and Beatle Mind Academy and executive coach at Spartan 7. Today's show is brought to you by Synergy Float Center, a premier flotation center located in Old Town, Alexandria. When you take the time to slow down, amazing things can happen. Take care of yourself by booking a float, sauna, or one of the other many services they offer today. You can check them out at SynergyFloatCenter.com. Today's guest is Joan Blades, who is the co-founder of Living Room Conversations, an open source effort to build respectful connections across ideological, cultural, and party lines while embracing our core shared values. When we care about each other, we work to find ways to meet each other's needs. She's also a co-founder of MomsRising.org and MoveOn.org. She is co-author of Custom Fit Workplace and the Motherhood Manifesto. Uh, she's a mediator, attorney by training and inclination. She's a true believer in the power of citizens and our need for respectful discourse while embracing our shared values. How you doing, Joan? I'm good, good. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you for having me. Yeah, definitely. Um, so living room conversations, you, you play such an important role in this time in our country's life. We've seen, unfortunately, you know, an intense increase in partisanship or a travel mentality inability for people to get together, talk, and solve problems. Now that's slightly shifted because of the C-19 virus, people are starting to work together. Don't know how long that will last once we kind of go through that process. Are we going to go back to the hyperpartisan space? But even if the hyperpartisan space is, is limited or, or lessened a little bit, we still have a lot of divisions in our country. So talk to us about why, first of all, you create a living room conversations. Well, way back when, which is over 10 years ago, I saw a transition from the point where we could have a really good conversation across partisan lines about something like climate change to the point where we could not. And I had learned in that time that I could have good, once I had a relationship, I could have a good conversation. So living room conversations are an opportunity for people to have intimate conversations, six people, two friends, each invite two friends for a conversation about an agreed upon topic and really hear each other. And it's not about changing people's minds, it's about having that connection because the science tells us we don't even listen to each other until we have the connection, right? right. But once we have that connection and once we have some appreciation for these people that have different viewpoints, we hear it in a different way. And maybe we soften, or maybe we don't, but then we have some understanding. And mutual respect is a really important starting place for any kind of problem solving. And honestly, we need to be caring about each other to solve anything, and especially at this time. So what I hear you saying is, at least in the policy political space, you're attempting through this process to humanize the political process or the policy process by not necessarily changing minds and hearts, but changing hearts in the sense of getting to know one another. Yes. Connections. And once the connections are made, people can have open and honest conversations as opposed to when they're kind of in their defensive, uh, heart closed, I'm right space and they got to force their views on someone else and not listening or even able to listen to the other person. My favorite thought experiment these days is whatever your 
top issue is imagine everyone in DC that's in leadership wakes up and it's their top issue. Now, healthcare has been top issue in DC for decades and we have the most expensive healthcare in the world and we're not even in the top 10 when it comes to outcomes. And that's before we're talking about this current crisis. So it's clearly not about it being, you know, people's top issues. It's actually about us having everybody's best ideas in the room and having the agility and creativity that comes with being in relationship with each other. So walk through, you talked about living room conversations. They happen in possibly in people's living rooms. You talked about six people. Uh, walk through the whole process. Like how does someone even discover the, the opportunity to have living room conversations? How are they structured? What happens during them? Okay, so this is open source. Everything you need to have a living room conversation is up online. Now, the right now, this whole living room conversations team is going, oh, we can't meet in person anymore. At this moment. We better do this. And the good news is we've been doing video living room conversations for a number of years because a few years ago, video became good enough. Yeah. for us to have. So that has allowed us to have people all around the country talking to each other because we've lost connection locally, but we've also lost connection nationally. And we need to reestablish that at both levels. We also have had some research being done in the last year that really shows that the in-person conversations and the video conversations both have really good outcomes. You know, the short-term and long-term impacts are exactly what we're looking for. So all the in-person conversations that have been happening in living rooms, at churches, in libraries, in bookstores, you know, it's, it's been beautiful seeing these happen. Like we're, there's a rotary conversation in particular, and you name it, we've got over 100 conversations developed at this point because... We've been around for 10 years. This right. is our 10-year anniversary, believe anniversary. it or not. Um, but we need to help those folks that have been doing this transition to doing it by video. Like, you know, we had sister cities doing conversations. Well, now, you know, Pedro Silva, who's got a congregation in Colorado, he was going to have his men's group meeting and doing the race and ethnicity living room conversation a week ago. And he switched it to video and it went really well. Excellent. <laughs> okay, this is working. Um, so how, how does it actually work? So, so you have either in person six people or by video X number of people, but like what's the people. process that allows people to make these connections? The original vision for it was about politics. Because I'm in, I'm in Berkeley, I'm a progressive. I said, what's going on here? I, and I had to be very intentional about meeting people with different political perspectives, very different political perspectives. And that was hugely informative. So the design was two friends with different viewpoints, each invite two friends, so six people, for a structured conversation. There's a set of conversation agreements that are basically what you learned in kindergarten. Be okay. curious, be respectful, take turns. <laughs> you know, it's stuff we all know so well. We know how to be good to each other. And when we just look at that ahead of time and review that together, we go, oh yeah, of course. 
And people do it because then they have these wonderful conversations and we have conversation rounds developed. So the first round is about talking about some of your deeper values so that by the time you get to the topic you've chosen, you're going, oh, I like these people or I understand where this person's coming. You've humanized each other, right? Right. And then you talk about the topic and the topic is about your own personal relationship to whatever it is that's going on. So we have some highly polarized topics covered, abortion, guns and responsibility. And you know, when you talk about it's what is your relationship with guns, we don't want to hear the talking points. The talking points throw us back into that just non-productive dynamic. And we just listen to each other. And I've heard such beautiful stories about people that have had this conversation when there were profound differences between them. And then the last part is just reflection. Reflection and next steps, if there are next steps. Because honestly, you know, with one of the polarized topics, you're not gonna solve it tomorrow, but you're gonna start having more capacity once you have this connection and understanding. It you know, sets you on a path. One of the things the way I talk about the transpartisan work is humanizing political process, finding common ground, and creating space in the body politic for new ideas. And I'm curious, when you, when you do the living room conversations and people get to understand each other's values and they share about a policy issue from their personal experience, as opposed to talking points, as you said, and they engage in this conversation, do you notice like a third idea emerges that might be different than the talking points of the two originally or the four or six originally came into the room with? Occasionally. Okay. I don't have an expectation of that. Okay. Um, but occasionally, you know, very powerful things emerge out of these imagine. conversations yeah. that are immediately actionable. But most of what emerges is relationships. And what we've seen, especially in the faith communities, in certain communities, is that monthly living room conversations cause uh, groups to go deeper and deeper and get better and better at this process. Now, at present, with the, everybody dealing with this huge shift in dynamics in our homes, we have a whole coronavirus page because it's not a focus on the differences right now. It's a focus on connection because a lot of people are feeling isolated right. and you know, trying to adapt to a very new situation and new worries. So the first conversation is just an opportunity to talk about how this has impacted us. Now we need to talk about those things. And it's an opportunity for me to say, do I have a neighbor or a friend that might need a little more connection right now? So this is a way for us to show up and take care of people. Because one of the best things we can do when we are being impacted is actually do good things for others. And I imagine whether they're in person or video presently because of C-19, um, even, even if they're talking about well, let's just go back to the living room conversation not related to C-19, but a particular policy issue. I would imagine that even though they're talking about X, whatever X is, just having that original values-based conversation, getting to know their neighbors, it, it creates a whole other potential 
of, of working together on other type of issues and or just even just having a community in a neighborhood that, that of, of connected people who can, yes. you know, a nice community, independent of solving problems, which we actually don't have enough of these days of people knowing each other's name, you know, knowing each other and connecting at that deeper level. Yeah, it's really hard to demonize someone you know. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're a real person and they have concerns and you care about them. Yeah. And caring about someone shifts everything, honestly. I think the other piece that I don't know if this will happen, but there are a lot of people that have had relationships damaged or lost in the last few years as polarizations has gotten amplified. Mm -hmm. This might be a really good time to reconnect in a gentle way about things that are not political. Because yep. that's a really strong starting spot for everything and, we need to do. And what I hear you saying for the, for the C19 living room conversations via video, it's, it's less about, hey, let's learn each other's values so we can have a positive conversation. It's really about who, who, getting to know someone across the screen, finding what kind of support they might need, offering that support, getting the support you need, reconnecting with people, those kind of things, which sounds wonderful. We're, we're is that also on your all's website? Yes. Yeah. The, and I think, you know, if you go to the C19 page, um, some of my very favorite conversations are there. Anita Santos wrote a book on, called The Four Sacred Gifts and Forgiving the Unforgivable is the first time you have a forgiveness conversation that is profound. I got to have that conversation and I did it on video and it got me thinking about forgiveness in ways I never had. So it's about our personal relationship with ourselves <laughs> as well as with others. Right. 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 And I, you were kind enough to actually introduce me to her and uh, she reached back out to me. So hopefully we can connect and have that conversation about her work as well. I hope so. She is amazing. Yeah. She, she seems quite amazing. Uh, actually, and speaking of that, can you speak a little bit more about her work in the context of what you just talked about? Like, you know, how it sounds like it was very powerful for you, how this might possibly benefit other people to utilize her thinking within living room conversations. Um, the, you know, the topic you choose <laughs> has a lot to do with where you're going. Right. And, you know, right now I'm seeing there are a lot of and I'm not sure if this is properly responsive, but it's where my brain went while you were talking. So yeah. you can redirect me if you need. Um, there are a lot of parents at home with kids that are struggling because especially teenagers are very social beings and they want to be out there. And yeah, the conversation about technology and relationships, how has our technology impacted our relationships is a great one for kids to have and it's a great intergenerational conversation mm -hmm. nice. when we talk about differences you know we started by being focused on political differences kinds of differences and this um, conversation on technology and relationships honestly i don't think left and right matters at all but age makes all the difference in the world on that conversation right on and becoming more intentional 
about our way of uh, having our lives impacted by our technology. So does that mean that uh, someone can go to the website and look up the resources to engage in that kind of conversation? Can they also see those kind of conversations already happening? Are they videotaped? We have recordings of some of our conversations. And we're working to get more. For example, we have the forgiveness conversation. Good. And I listened to it. And it's, it's a, it's, I listened to theirs and went, wow, that was amazing too. And then I had my own, which was completely different but related. Uh, the race and ethnicity. And I'm not sure if we have the technology relationships up and recorded. Okay. Um, but we have, the race and ethnicity one. The race and ethnicity conversation, uh, we did a high profile conversation set because that conversation started a number of years ago. We wrote that. And then some leaders said, you know, one conversation's not enough. And it was expanded into a three conversation set so that people could have all three conversations and really go deeper nice. in that conversation. And yeah, there's so many issues in that area that are still very raw for people. Of course. It's a really powerful way to explore that topic further. And you know, you're not gonna get to the end destination, but you are gonna be further along in your own thinking about it and insights about others. So what I hear you saying then, it's almost like two tracks. One could be me in my living room, inviting my neighbors over or virtually, obviously presently virtually, and having these kind of conversations. And on the website, you offer like uh, the resources to guide an individual or a group of individuals through this process. But I also heard you use the word high, high profile. So you then also, what I hear you saying is bring some leaders of sorts into these kind of conversations um, that are not necessarily neighbors, but who play key roles in the broader field of that particular issue. Is that accurate? High profile means we've asked people for permission to record and share okay. the conversation. And in fact, the folks in those conversations are um, more well-known in some cases than most people. But it's mostly about you know, hearing, when we choose people for a conversation, we're thinking about differences. What makes a conversation really fascinating? What are you curious about? So, you know, in a conversation about race and ethnicity, you want very different voices in the room, younger and older and from different cultures. And, you know, likewise with forgiveness. These conversations are about us exploring our own deeper values and connecting with others and honestly becoming more empathetic. Empathy is good. And it's actually, I'm glad you brought empathy up because from what I've seen in the research, because of the either overuse or the misuse of technology and other factors, we're actually seemingly becoming less empathetic as a people, at least here in the States. I can't speak to other parts of the world. So anything as an antidote to that regression seems to be a good thing. Yeah. 
I, I am sincerely hoping it is, and I think the whole team is on that same page. Nice, nice. Now, if, if like, just someone in their neighborhood wanted to live in room conversations, they can obviously go to the website, they can get the materials, they can set one up virtually, Couple, hopefully a couple months from now or a year from now, they can do it actually in the living room. But you, part of the high profile, someone who's well-known, if someone came to you and you know, someone who's well-known in a particular field and they said, I really want to do a, a, a public living room conversation where we bring in five or six to seven well-known people from diverse spaces in the same area to have that conversation. Do you, do you also work with them to host those kind of things? And organize it? We would probably work with them. It depends on what their objective is. Okay. And, you know, if someone has, I want this outcome, yeah. that the nature of a living room conversation is being open to hearing everybody. Yeah. It's not a setup. <laughs> Which is actually, I'm gl really glad you said that because you, you and I have had these conversations and other people have in the transpartisan space where some people see the, some aspects of transpartisan organizing is an attempt for one side to co-opt the other side. And what I hear you saying is this, we, there's no preset outcomes. The ideal though is just to bring people together, engage in these kind of conversations, humanize the political process, get to know one another, and only God knows what happens until it happens in terms of out, any outcomes. Yeah, and I think oh. there's something where you can have a good guess. Mm. You know, if you have a conversation about forgiveness, Mm. You're going to have a, a deeper thoughts about that. And I, ha I have a guess of where that might lead. Yeah. I like where it leads. Yeah. Um, but there are other issues where it's, you know, you just really don't want it to be. It's not about persuasion. Yeah. It's about increasing understanding, increasing connection, and sometimes finding some wonderful common ground. But creating the foundation for real work to go on. This so, is foundational exercise. Right on. So you mentioned the very beginning that you progressive from Berkeley, uh, yeah. but you're curious, you, you know, asked around and you wanted to understand where other people come from. How, how do you take that curiosity that you have and instill it in other people? Because I find a lot of people aren't necessarily curious about other people and not even politically, just in general. Uh, you know, that as things have become more polarized, there's a group of people that say, I don't want to talk to those people on both sides. And there's another group of people that say, ooh, we better start talking. And we have to start where the people that want to start talking are. Right on. It's, you know, we're trying to create culture change. Yeah. And there is some research that suggests that if... 3.5% of the population truly engages, that's enough for culture change. That's pretty doable, that's exciting. Hence, we've you know, made this massively reproducible. That's why it's open source. We share it and we're going, keep it going, send it out there. Knowing your background, I'm not surprised it's open source. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, where can people learn more about the Living Room Conversations? livingroomconversations.org. Fantastic. And any other social media spaces where people can follow the work? 
Yes, there's a Facebook page, and I believe there's something on Instagram. And we've got a social media person. I don't know. It's out <laughs> there, right? <laughs> we'll make sure to have the in the show notes all the social media links so people can follow you in, in different platforms. That's great. Awesome. Well, great to see you, Joan. Stay safe, obviously. Uh, best you, to, you. Your, to Wes and the rest of your family. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much.